we draw comfort knowing that Christ is interceding on our behalf, and we can never be separated from His love. Romans 8:31-39. Gospel artist Miko Star Tom Kia Miko Star Gibson was born August 6, 1973, in the city of Detroit. She began to sing at the young age of eight. With such strong influences from these top producers, she decided to persist a career in R&B music. It was then that she was given the name Miko from her first name, Star, because she has the destiny to become a star after showing the world her skills as a vocalist and writer in the music field. Inspired by the hit movie The Wiz starring Michael Jackson and Diana Ross she decided to broaden her horizons and become a singer. Tom Kia began to take her career more seriously at the age of 16 by recording demos with various producers such as Gregory Charles, Paul Allen and Michael Powell. With such strong influences from these top producers, she decided to pursue a career in R&B music. It was then that she was given the name Miko from her first name and star because she has the destiny to become a star after showing the world her skills as a vocalist and writer in the music field. She has had a lot of trials and tribulations in making a journey towards the musical industry. She had no no church background expect being saved in the year 1994 and attended Straight Gate Church located in Detroit. It was there that she began to build a strong relationship with Jesus Christ who became her roadmap. Miko decided to let God use his acuity to help lead her in the direction towards her musical goals. She had from doing other R&B projects she wanted to include gospel music also in her career. She really does feel that this type of music is her calling after hooking up with James Manuscript Terry who is one of the Trotes and Atlanta Hot upcoming producers. It was then that both of them were able to create Miko's first new contemporary gospel album. She is hoping her music is a beacon for bringing people to Christ. Miko has no problem in working hard with other artists. She has sung on various projects as a background singer or doing their songs. Miko has her sight making music a commitment and duty is a hard matter. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not, 1 Corinthians 13-48. The History of Gospel music is deeply rooted in the rich traditions of the African-American church. During the late 1800s, African-American churches in the southern United States started fusing various styles of music into their worship services, including African-American spirituals, hymns, and sacred songs. Psalm 40-3 He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God, many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. Gospel music experience cannot be told in a short story, or even in a melody of songs, for it is far too rich, far too harmonious and deliberately stimulating. It is a living experience, always changing, always giving, and always becoming the foundation that gave moral, physical and spiritual support to a great and powerful people. Gospel music is a shining beacon of hope, a fantastic journey of joy divine and a triumphant victory in God that comes from deep down in the souls of God's chosen people. The greatest melodies and the most stimulating songs have been given to this nation and the world through the African-American experience. God's people worship in spirit, meaning that they joyfully magnify God's glory with all of their heart, mind, soul and strength. 2 Samuel 22 There has been no other event in history that has been more compelling 
convincing, or persuasive than gospel music. Some of the most beautiful music of all times was born out of intense grief and suffering, and gospel music is no exception. It is the Alpha and Omega of God's spiritual principle that plays upon the keyboard of man's integrity. It is a resonance, an echoing sound throughout the ages that has surrendered the wonders of God's almighty creations. Psalm 96-1 Sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord, all the earth. After thousands of years, the sound of gospel music is still enthralling and captivating because it stands against the social background as a shadow of today's community problems and dilemmas. From the 1930s to the 1960s desperate circumstances controlled our lives, despair and hope, life and death, but gospel music mirrored our predicaments as a collective group of people. It reflected upon our social status, and eventually reverberated in our made-up minds that God was indeed on our sides. Psalm 33-3 Sing to Him a new song, play skillfully with a shout of joy. The prologue of gospel music owes its grandeur and its sense of veracity to Thomas Andrew Dorsey who is called the father of gospel music. He combined Christian praise with the rhythms of jazz and blues. Mr. Dorsey wrote many songs. Two of his greatest were Precious Lord and Peace in the Valley. Both of these songs were written after the tragic death of his wife and newborn son. These songs have become community-owned songs, as singers and listeners throughout the world relate to the words of assurance that are delivered and adopted in the messages. Worship must be vital and real in the heart, and worship must rest on a true perception of God. There must be spirit and there must be truth. The influence of Mahalia Jackson is evident in her style and references to the storms of life and of the good that is produced through overcoming adversity. Her melodious voice stirred listeners as they moved on up a little bit higher and invited them to participate in her songs. She developed a flair for composing songs that moved the heart and regenerated the soul of a people who looked to the hills from whence cometh their help. The songs were so exciting and popular that congregations automatically joined in the singing and shouting as they lifted up the name of Jesus. Psalm 98-10 Sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done wonderful things, His right hand and His holy arm have gained the victory for Him. Religious freedoms stood in the forefront of a people who knew that God was the beginning and the end. The methodical beats of and the syncopation rhythms of Mrs. Albertina Walker and the caravan gave birth to a brand new gospel experience. With her words representing patience, endurance, survival, and staying power, her voice rekindled the awesome power of God as she told him in song Lord keep me day by day. Her dominant presence in religious song has been formulated, devised, developed, and shared among all generations. The caravan along with Mrs. Walker presented a wholesome type of devotion that rekindled a loyalty, which inspired the people to rise up and become God-fearing. Psalm 149-1 Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, and His praise in the congregation of the godly ones. Mrs. Walker was born in Chicago, Illinois and began singing in the youth choir at the West Point Baptist Church at an early age, and joined several gospel groups thereafter including the Pete Williams Singers and the Robert Anderson Singers. Albertina was greatly influenced by Mahalia Jackson her friend and confidant. Mahalia Jackson took her on the road when she was just a teenager. Mahalia used to kid me. She'd say, girl, you need to go sing by yourself. Albertina Walker did just that. In 1951, 
she formed the group called the Caravans. She was given the title Queen of Gospel Music initially by such notables as the late Reverend James Cleveland and Jesse Jackson for her outstanding achievements within the genre after the death of Mahalia Jackson in 1972. Isaiah 42 hours 10 minutes Sing to the Lord a new song, sing His praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea, and all that is in it you islands, and those who dwell on them. James Cleveland expresses this in song Lord Do It. Elvis Presley who sung and won a Grammy for He Touched Me written by Andrea Crouch and a song by Walter Hawkins God is gave stamina and determination to sing the Lord's song even in a strange land of struggling. And in this common struggle of man and woman we have found that no one member can win or can lose alone. For we are all in this struggle of life together, look around, the musical chord of brotherhood joins us, unified together against the most revered and arrogant institution of entrenched segregation that this nation has ever experienced, black people came to believe that we were somebody and that we do count in the great scheme of things. It is impossible for us to understand the development of gospel music without some knowledge of the temptations that have crossed our faith. Psalm 144-9 I will sing a new song to you, O God, upon a harp of ten strings I will sing praises to you. In analyzing those factors that have entered into our moral and spiritual lives, we find that the part that slavery has played in the drama of African Americans' life that was experienced in this new land. The Gospels of this era had a measure of strength, might and potency. It revealed humanity in times of severe, brutal, and relentless hardships. But throughout this ordeal, Gospel music was a place of inspiration. It was a comfort that provided a renewed hope, a renewed joy renewed peace, and a renewed passion for life. The music is a deep well cast down into a refreshing stream of life-encompassing notes. As the curtains of 1980 through the 1990s drew opened, there was a soothing melody found in contemporary gospel. This new gospel gave us peace of mind. A peace of mind that continues to be the foundation of real happiness and that peace is the fruit of our love perfectly fulfilled in song and music. It provided great comfort in knowing that we will one day see Jesus. Artists such as V. Michael Mackay all in his hand, The Winans, Tomorrow, Vanessa Bell Armstrong, Peace Be Still, and Thomas Whitfield, Precious Jesus reassures us in our daily walk with God. In declaring that God knows each of us by name, and that His love for us was affirmed by His death on the cross, continued to give us hope in a dark, sin-filled world. Revelation 5-9 And they sing a new song? saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain, and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. We found that nothing lofty, nothing beautiful, nothing good, or nothing too proud is done without love. We have continued to believe through song that we can give without loving, but we cannot love without giving. This music must be judged in part by the messages it portrays, not merely by its rhythms and beats but by the ideals and the measure in which mankind realize these ideals. It has produced the cultivation and improvement of the spiritual principle in man. We are composed of two elements, the one, a little dust caught up from the earth, to which we shall soon return, the other, a spark of that divine intelligence, in which and through which we bear the image of the great Creator. By respect, our voices shout as blessings go up and praises come down.
Revelation 14-3 And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. Contemporary gospel is a development of our faculties and powers through a relationship with God. It reinforced the belief that God is the master of our faith and the captain of our soul. And we need, incidentally, to know enough to know whose we are and what we are here for. This new music had its crossover into the world of entertainment through such stars as Ray Charles, Al Green, Aretha Franklin, the Edwin Hawkins singers, Oh Happy Day, Andrea Crouch. The Blood Will Never Lose Its Power, which was composed by him when he was only 13 years of age. Psalm 104 hours 33 minutes I will sing to the Lord as long as I live, I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. During the 1990s until 2000 and beyond singers such as Yolanda Adams, The Battle is the Lord, written by V. Michael McKay, Perfect Praise, written by Brenda Joyce Moore and lead by Lucrezia Campbell with Walt Whitman and the Soul Children of Chicago, and we can never forget Kirk Franklin, Why We Sing. These timely artists have made impressions of international cliffs on gospel music. These singers have carried the beads and measures as they have made an everlasting impact on the American culture and beyond. The songs that they sing are statements of faith that has kept our hearts and minds stayed on Jesus as we enjoy today and look forward to better tomorrows. Psalm 40-3 He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God, many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. The songs that came from the people gave them courage through their difficulties and disappointments. It carried them through the Reconstruction period, through the Black Coats, the promise of through the migration north, through being considered second-class citizens, through Brown versus Board of Education, even through the Civil Rights era. This contemporary music is the heart and soul of today's gospel music. The music represents that God is our hope, our purpose, and our way out of no way. Psalm 69 hours 30 minutes I will praise the name of God with song and magnify Him with thanksgiving. So from 2000 until 2010, the free-flowing music styles of Kirk Carr, in the sanctuary William Murphy, Praise is What I Do, Good News, by Vanessa Bell Armstrong, Hezekiah Walker, God Favored Me, and Israel Houghton, You Are Good, are unique to the African American church history. Psalm 57-7 My heart is steadfast, O God, my heart is steadfast, I will sing, yes, I will sing praises. Gospel music is a romance of going to a favorite spot, a favorite tree, and a hallowed spot, just to talk with God. So from the very beginning the African American has believed that God would hear an earnest and sincere prayer or song. This very spirit meant that God could bless whom he would as well as curse anyone according to his will from these songs we have been able to tell God exactly what we want, even in a strange land. Psalm 59 hour 17 minutes So my strength, I will sing praises to you, for God is my stronghold, the God who shows me loving kindness. There has never been a time when gospel music has not been a part of the African American experience. When we consider the tragic, dreadful, and catastrophic experiences which occur to so many in our society and when we tend to feel and believe that there is no way out, gospel music is there to take our hands and lead us on. Psalm 101-1 I will sing of loving kindness and justice, to you, O Lord, I will sing praises. 
Gospel music is not a mere form of entertainment to be had when desired, it is a form of character, obedience, and spirit. It follows upon the long discipline, which gives a people self-possession, self-mastery, a habit of order and peace and common counsel and reverences for God's will that directs our lives. Psalm 30 hours 12 minutes That my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Finally, this sincere admiration of gospel music, this admiration and reverence is now felt throbbing in every corner of the globe, and are the musical chords that bind the nations of the world together while yet leaving unimpaired that love of country in the individual citizen which in the present stage of the world's progress is essential to the world's well-being. We must lift our voices and sing. 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 Psalm 22:26. The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek Him will praise the Lord let your heart live forever. Most people think of gospel music as a southern phenomenon, but according to Horace Clarence Boyer in the golden era of gospel, its seeds actually sprouted in New England in 1734. It started with Reverend Jonathan Edwards, the New England preacher who launched a religious revival known as the Great Awakening. Traditional, slow, long-meter hymns didn't work for his passionate services. More upbeat hymns with faster tempos were needed, began to surface, and were published. The fervent preaching style and impassioned music of the Great Awakening swept down the eastern coast and into the southern states, where enslaved African Americans who attended services with their owners saw similarities between their chains of bondage and those of Moses' people. Psalm 75-9 But as for me, I will declare it forever, I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. They were to sing only about Christian ethics and ideals, they eventually turned the hymns they learned into their own form of religious folk music. These songs became known as black spirituals. Hidden in them was a secret code to give one another messages of hope and freedom. Canaan meant Canada, the land of freedom. Going up yonder meant going north. Moses was the name for Harriet Tubman, founder of the Underground Railroad. And Swing Low Sweet Chariot was a song about taking that underground railroad north to freedom. The swinging low of the Sweet Chariot is the rocking rhythm of a train, in the midst of excruciatingly difficult lives, slaves use these songs to inspire inner strength and courage. By borrowing from Protestant hymns, reworking them, and then making up new melodies and harmonies, black spirituals became the first authentically American sacred music. Psalm 108-1 My heart is steadfast, O God, I will sing, I will sing praises, even with my soul. Black Gospel and Jubilee Quartets Eventually the spirituals evolved into the ecstatic style of singing that was born in California Pentecostal churches. This in turn served as the foundation for Black Gospel, whose music was influenced by blues and early jazz. In this style, Either the choir or the soloist repeats and or answers the lyric just sung by the other, with the soloist improvising and embellishing. Male and female performers Reverend Thomas A. Dorsey, Reverend James Cleveland, Mahalia Jackson, the Clear Award singers, and others, gained wide renown among both black and white audiences with this style. Psalm 61-8 So I will sing praise to your name forever, that I may pay my vows day by day. After emancipation, another form of gospel music known as the Jubilee Quartet took shape. Groups like the Blind Boys of Alabama and the Dixie Hummingbirds, 
who've been going since the 1950s, develop tight harmonies. They generally embrace one of three styles, sweet, softer vocals, understated rhythmic accentuation, hard, intense energy, exaggerated physical gestures, or sweet and hard, a combination. Psalm 108-3 I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples, and I will sing praises to you among the nation. As the years progressed, black gospel and black popular music influenced and borrowed from one another. This culminated in 1969 with O Happy Day, a 19th-century Baptist hymn reworked by Edwin Hawkins. The song quickly climbed to number one on the Top 40 music chart and pushed gospel into the popular consciousness. After the 1970s, black gospel as a distinct form of its own ceased to develop. Psalm 144-9 I will sing a new song to you, O God, upon a harp of ten strings I will sing praises to you. The world might never have known the glorious sound of gospel music. Thomas Dorsey, who was born outside Atlanta in 1899 and moved to Chicago as a teenager, was a popular blues pianist around town. He had toured with Marini throughout the Roaring Twenties and sold millions of copies of his blues song It's Tight Like That. Then his life was shattered. While on the road, Dorsey was informed that his wife had died during childbirth. Rushing home, he learned that their child, too, had died. When he did, Dorsey cast aside the blues life and poured his musical gifts into writing songs of faith. He had dabbled in religious music before, but now it became his passion prompting him to write a new type of religious song. Psalm 43-4 Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and upon the lyre I shall praise you, O God, my God. By introducing syncopated rhythms, lamenting vocal lines and other blues elements to religious music, Dorsey invented the gospel song a music neither totally sacred nor wholly secular. Just a month after his personal disaster, Dorsey penned Take My Hand, Precious Lord which would become one of the most popular of all gospel songs. Over the years, he wrote such anthems as Peace in the Valley, Today and Search Me, Lord. Psalm 71 hours 22 minutes I will also praise you with a harp, even your truth, O my God, to you I will sing praises with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. Some churchgoers balked at Darcy's steeped and blues, jazz-age church songs but the music eventually caught on in churches across the South Side. For years, the radiant tunes simply were called Dorsey's. After establishing gospel music at Pilgrim Baptist Church at 33rd Street and Indiana Avenue, he created the National Convention of Gospel Choirs and Courses. He started the first gospel publishing company and staged the first commercial gospel concerts all in the 1930s. Soon the South Side was the epicenter of gospel music. It was Dorsey who coached, trained and inspired the first generation of gospel singers, with Chicago greats such as Roberta Martin, Sally Martin, Clara Ward and Mahalia Jackson taking the Dorsey sound to churches and concert halls around the world. The gospel stars who followed including James Cleveland, the Edwin Hawkins singers, who hit the pop charts with O, Happy Day in 1969, the Soul Stirrers, Albertina Walker's Caravans. The Barrett sisters, Shirley Caesar, Inez Andrews and Bessie Griffin built upon Dorsey's innovations. Gospel music today is an international industry, its sound having evolved into something considerably more high-tech than the sweet, 
piano and tambourine settings of Dorsey's youth. Yet the music owes its origins and its flowering to Dorsey, who created an entire genre of music and taught the world how to sing it. Psalm 21:13 Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength, we will sing and praise your power. Glory Hallelujah! On an unseasonably breezy August afternoon in 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was outside the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., ready to give the speech of his life. Mahalia Jackson Could any name better fit the physical and spiritual embodiment of Mother Church? Mahal, yeah. There's a song in those syllables. Mahalia Jackson, once of most powerful black woman in America. How I got over, she began, softly. Well, how I got over, her voice gained strength in the repetition. Well, my soul looks back and wonders how I got over. Like most gospel performances, the song grew in intensity with each verse and the crowd's response built from murmur to amen. Shouts. It took several minutes for the energized crowd of 200,000 to settle down, then Dr. King stepped up to the podium. I have a dream, the civil rights leader intoned, that one day on the Red Hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit together at the table of brotherhood. After that historic speech, the crowd join arms and sing We Shall Overcome, an update of the old gospel song I'll Overcome. The staple singers played on the 1960s Freedom Highway. It was appropriate that the civil rights movement adopted its soundtrack a style of music rooted in the African-American struggle against oppression. The church has long provided a sanctuary for those who wish to express their blackness in all its glory. Mahalia Jackson would sing for Dr. King one last time. It was at his funeral in 1968 and the song, second only to Amazing Grace in the Hearts of Black Churchgoers, was Precious Lord, Take My Hand, written by Thomas A. Dorsey in the midst of paralyzing grief. After his wife had passed away in childbirth in 1932 and his newborn son died days later, Dorsey sought comfort at the piano in the beautiful song about going forward from tragedy just overcame the writer, as all great compositions do. Through the storm, through the night. Lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me on. That gospel standard would be sung again, four years later, when Jackson, the most powerful black woman in America, passed on at age 60. The memorial service at Chicago's Airy Crown Theater ended with Aretha Franklin, the former Mahalia acolyte who went on to become Lady Soul, wrapping herself around Precious Lord. When it was over the audience applauded, unusual reaction and a funeral, but not everyone approved. Worst thing I ever heard, Dorsey's longtime associate Sally Martin was overheard grumbling. A nightclub singer at a gospel singer's funeral? Never mind that Aretha, like such R&B slash pop acts as Wilson Pickett, Lou Rawls, the staple singers, Johnny Taylor, Billy Preston, and Dinah Washington, began her singing career in the gospel field or that she was always quick to acknowledge such church singers as Clara Ward, Marion Williams and Bessie Griffin as influences. That her father, the Reverend C.L. Franklin of Detroit's Bethlehem Baptist Church, was one of the most powerful and respected ministers in the country carried little weight with the irascible Martin or other gospel hardliners who believe the spiritual and the secular should always be kept separate. You don't cross over to the pop music field, you defect, 
as R&B superstar Sam Cooke found whenever he joined his old gospel group, The Soul Stirrers, for a song and a voice from the crowd would invariably yell, Get that blues singer off the stage. Aretha Franklin, age 14 Sister Rosetta Tharp, a great blues guitarist as well as gospel belter, was almost stripped of her sister rank by shocked churchgoers in the early 40s when she sang religious songs with an 11-piece jazz band. Clara Ward and the Ward singers, meanwhile, were openly chastised when they traded their choir robes for sequined gowns and took their act to Las Vegas. Though they meet an hour before dawn, Saturday night and Sunday morning are polar opposites in the minds of many purists. The Lord doesn't shake hands with the devil. But what is the gospel music of syncopated handclaps, thumping pianos and wailing vocalists if not, simply, spiritualized secular music? Willie Mae Ford Smith used to call her gritty, down-home style of church singing Christian blues and gospels greatest songwriter Dorsey began his career as a juke joint piano player. Music from childhood deeply resonates within us and can even restore memory and a sense of self in those living with Alzheimer's and other dementias. Just as bars and liquor stores often reside next to churches in predominantly black neighborhoods, gospel and blues have coexisted in tight quarters ever since they both grew out of spirituals. Some stations in the 40s and 50s, including 50,000-watt Nashville station WLAC, aired them side by side. Many of the same independent labels that trafficked in R&B or race records, including Apollo, Peacock, Savoy, VJ, Specialty and Excello, sign gospel acts as well. Disregard the lyrics and gospel is just an anointed step from rhythm and blues. It had to be people that love music, we asked them what specific songs or singers they connected fault with. They learned that seniors liked all types of music from gospel. Research has credited music with helping Alzheimer's and other dementia the most popular genre is gospel. But you can't diminish the importance of the words in these sermons set to music. The power, the rhythm, the urgency of great gospel music springs from lyrics of praise. The blues singer is all alone in this world, but the gospel singer is part of a family of faith. There's a sense of stability an air of confidence in the fundamental African-American Christian belief that God has control over every aspect of their being. No storm can shake my inmost calm while to that rock I'm clinging, goes the old Quaker hymn, which would later be gospelized. It sounds an echo in my soul, how can I keep from singing? An Aretha in every church. For every great church singer who went on to the pop charts, there are hundreds, thousands maybe, equally gifted, who stayed loyal to gospel. These include the great quartet singers Robert H. Harris of the Soul Stirrers, Claude Jeter of the Swan Silvertones, Julius Cheeks of the Sensational Nightingales, Archie Brownlee of the Five Blind Boys of Mississippi and Ira Tucker of the Dixie Hummingbirds. These guys made Little Richard sound like Chubby Checker. They were singing soul music and ah wop in the late 30s, before those subgenres had names. But when the big pop contracts were dangled in front of them, they chose to keep their deal with the Lord to use all their talent in praise of the one who gave it to them. Experts believe both art and music can tap into areas of the brain that were previously dormant as a result of Alzheimer's disease. And music may be rooted in the brain even deeper than language. Language appears to be a relatively new function of the brain in human history, whereas music is preverbal and pancultural says Kevin Kirkland, 
Ph.D., MTA, FAMI, an accredited music therapist and instructor of music therapy at Capilano University in North Vancouver, British Columbia. Music is a preverbal and sometimes nonverbal brain function, predating the ability for language. Five Blind Boys of Mississippi There are also incredible singers who air out their heavenly gift every Sunday, then go to work cleaning motel rooms on Monday. Gospel soloists are predominantly female and many not known beyond their congregations could have been the next Aretha Franklin, whom, it's worth noting, was merely one of many great gospel singers before she landed on her lofty purchase pop's greatest voice. But stardom wasn't in God's plans for these wailing, growling, shrieking church ladies. Instead they exemplified the splendid anonymity that makes the history of gospel music so fascinating. The enthusiast becomes a prospector for golden echoes. Though generally acknowledged as 1945-1960, the glory years of gospel can be traced as far back as the 1920s, when a new crop of blues-based religious songs grew in popularity so quickly that the Baptist Church had to begrudgingly endorse the more loose parishioners to the more fervent Pentecostal services. The people wanted the new intensity jubilation not assimilation and eventually the bluesy gospel songs gained respectability and crossed denominational lines to become the preferred church music of most black Christians. Listening to music is inexpensive, with no side effects. And it may help aging patients with fading memory fight the loneliness, depression and anxiety that often accompany Alzheimer's disease. Resistance to innovations in religious music goes back to the early 1700s when a British pastor named Dr. Isaac Watts realized that the stodgy hymns of the day, taken straight from scripture and delivered at a plodding pace by a monotonous congregation, did not do justice to the Creator. To Watts, religious songs were a personal offering of praise and therefore should feature a more glorious presentation and heartfelt sentiment. Almost three centuries later, the five blind boys of Alabama followed that edict when they gave the old Dr. Watts hymn, Every Time I Feel the Spirit, their own robust spin. God is most glorified in us. Ancient Protestant Hymns from Amazing Grace, by England's John Newton, though it's often credited to Dr. Watts, to Oh Happy Day, a 1969 pop hit for the Edwin Hawkins singers, make up much of the contemporary gospel songbook but there's no way to overstate the influence of African-American compositions of the 1800s. Spirituals found slaves bringing the rhythms and melodies of their African homeland to tales of Old Testament heroes. While they couldn't sing openly about their own desire to be free, they could rejoice in the story of Exodus, when the children of Israel yearned to be liberated from bondage. When slaves sang Go Down Moses, Way Down in Egypt Land Slash Tell Old Pharaoh to Let My People Go, they did so with a vigor that suggests deep personal connection. Heavenly salvation and earthly freedom became intertwined. Those who embraced Christianity were told that great rewards awaited believers who endured great tribulations. Etta James born James Seta Hawkins, January 25, 1938 was an American singer who performed in various genres, including blues, R&B, soul, rock and roll, jazz and gospel. In the years directly following the Emancipation Proclamation in 1865, many newly free blacks discarded the spirituals as reminders of a time they wanted to forget. They were called sorrow songs, these folk tunes that spoke of a weary people held captive and beat down because of their race. But there was no getting over the songs, 
which resonated so deeply with listeners. Post-slavery singing groups like the Fisk Jubilee Singers trained their voices to sing the cultured songs of European composers, but it was always Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, Iskiel Saw the Wheel and the rest of the Slave Songs segment of the program that brought audiences to their feet. Remember, he had said, quoting his favorite verse from Romans, everything works together for good for those who love God. So many old spirituals, such as Oh Mary Don't You Weep, didn't a train, Jacob's Ladder, and were you there when they crucified my Lord endure today, because they provide the same lift, the same kinship through melody, as they did 150 years ago. Blues music also sprung from the spirituals, with such bleak numbers as nobody knows the trouble I see and steal away to Jesus laying the foundation for the lyrical realism that would be the domain of Delta bluesmen. But there's also great release in the growling rhythms. Just as the slaves sang the Lord delivered Daniel, why not me, to hoist their spirits, blues singers shout about no good liars and cheats as a way to get over them. Music is the language of the soul, that invisible entity that preachers are always trying to save. Music expands the people who create it. It diverts, elates and comforts. We look at our demented loved ones, no longer sure of where they are or even who they are and we wonder if the world may be right when it tells us that their suffering has no meaning, that Alzheimer's has stolen not only their memories but their dignity, perhaps even their very souls. Remembering the power of the gospel in Alzheimer's disease. Being a singer is a natural gift. It means I'm using to the highest degree possible the gift that God gave me to use. I'm happy with that, Aretha Franklin. The man they call the father of gospel began his career as Georgia Tom a piano thumper for the likes of Tampa Red and Marini. Thomas A. Dorsey, who died in 1993 at age 93, was not the first songwriter to set religious themes to secular styles. Dorsey's earliest gospel songs, in 1926, were preceded by more than a decade by Will Understand Him Better by and by and Take Your Burden to the Lord from Philadelphia preacher Charles A. Tinley. But Tinley's tunes didn't have the Dorsey bounds. The real revolution in religious music came when Dorsey melded the language and concerns of the common churchgoers too. Its passages about God's special love for those who appear weak and foolish in the eyes of the world suggest that Alzheimer's patients can be powerful conduits of grace in our lives, if we have eyes to see. Thomas Georgia Tom Dorsey, circa 1922 Sophisticated variations of the blues on such standards as peace in the valley Based in the gospel capital of Chicago, this son of a Georgia preacher spent most of the 1920s alternating between writing saucy double entendre numbers like tight like that, which paid the bills, and composing such sacred tunes as If You See My Savior and What Could I Do. Following a nervous breakdown in 1928, Dorsey realized his musical double life was weighing heavily on his psyche so he gave up the blues and threw himself full-time into spiritual music. Alzheimer's disease is a progressive, neurological condition. That means it's a brain disease that starts in a particularly small region of the brain and then spreads throughout. The progressive nature means that it continues to get worse and, as the science stands, there is currently nothing that can modify this course or stop the disease process. Dementia is caused by physical disease of the brain. It results in the brain progressively declining. Symptoms can include memory loss delusions and distressing changes in behavior. 
those who live with dementia can experience problems with understanding, coordination or speech. Caring for a person with dementia is not easy and becomes progressively more difficult. There can be frustration, embarrassment or guilt about how the affected person is behaving. In the vast majority of cases it eventually becomes impossible to care for a person with dementia for 24 hours a day, every day. Sooner or later the affected person will need to receive specialist care, and that may involve living in a nursing home. One of the things that we say about Alzheimer's disease and the people who live with it, is if you have you met one person with Alzheimer's disease, you have really just met one person. And what we mean is that people have diverse experiences. You will meet one person and they seem very content. Another person feels incredibly tortured. We draw comfort knowing that Christ is interceding on our behalf, and we can never be separated from His love, Romans 8 31-39. Christians believe that illness or affliction does not take away a person's inherent value as a human being. Everyone is unique, created in the image of God and precious to God. Every person deserves to be treated with absolute respect and dignity regardless of their age or state of health. The Bible tells us to rise in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly, and revere your God. In his time of ministry on earth Jesus demonstrated how to love and respect all people. That included the old, the sick, the sinful, and all who were sidelined. Christians are called to follow the example of Jesus by having the same love and service for those in need. That need includes those living with dementia. But Christians are called also to care for and support carers who are sometimes under extreme stress which can go unnoticed. Faith and prayer are the vitamins of the soul, man cannot live in health without them. If you believe in God, He will open the windows of heaven and pour blessings upon you, Mahalia Jackson. Oh hallelujah we give Him the honor we give Him the praise oh hallelujah, Andre Crouch. Soul Stirrers 1951 Although details remain murky this many years later because there had only been a precursory investigation, biographers generally concur that Cook had checked into the Hacienda Motel in Los Angeles the night of December 11, 1964 with a 22-year-old woman who was not his wife. Cook charged into the lobby with his eyes aflame. Franklin claimed self-defense after she shot Cook when he lunged at the gun she was pointing at him. She was cleared of any charges. Lady. You shot me were the last words intoned by that glorious voice which gave the world you send me, twisting the night away, chain gang and many other hits. Cleveland and the Higher Choir When rock and roll emerged in the mid-50s, with its ringing guitars and pounding pianos, gospel had a rival and musical intensity. Then in the 60s, Motown put the Pentecostal handclaps to pop melodies to create a soul sensation. Calling all around the world are you ready for a brand new beat? Martha Reeves and the Vandellas declared on dancing in the streets and it did seem that gospel was becoming passé. But LA's Mighty Clouds of Joy, who formed in 1959 as unashamed Julius Cheek's acolytes, kept the quartet style thriving with frenetic stage shows that led to the nickname The Temptations of Gospel. Consecrated Girl Groups, The Caravans and The Ward The Caravans of Chicago were a group of lead singers with James Cleveland on keyboards singers, also remained wildly popular as the 50s became the 60s, with both entities stalking the gospel scene with solo acts for years to come. After payment disputes with Clara Ward's mother, manager Gertrude, 
Marion Williams, Frances Stenman, Kitty Parham and Esther Ford left the Ward Singers to form the Stars of Faith. The Caravans, meanwhile, were basically a group of lead singers, with Shirley Caesar, Inez Andrews, Dorothy Norwood, Emma Jean Green, Cassietta George and Bessie Griffin passing through, while Albertina Walker remained the constant. Also from the ranks of the Caravans came James Cleveland, the group's pianist and collaborator, who specialized in funkified arrangements of overdone songs like That Told Time Religion. Like Dorsey, Cleveland was a masterful piano player and prolific songwriter, pinning more than 500 tunes before his death in 1991. But the main reason Cleveland has been tagged the father of contemporary gospel was for his work to make the massive church choir the definitive sound of gospel today. It started in earnest, this renaissance of heavenly voices, with the 1963 hit piece Be Still, recorded live, as were all Cleveland. Music is well said to be the speech of angels in fact, nothing among the utterances allowed to man is felt to be so divine. It brings us near to the infinite. Thomas Carlyle. James Cleveland Choir Albums, with the Angelic Choir of the First Baptist Church in Nutley, New Jersey. A Chicago native, Cleveland began studying music at Dorsey's Pilgrim Baptist Church under the tutelage of the legendary gospel sophisticate Roberta Martin. Just as Dorsey had organized gospel singers as a way to spread his songs, Cleveland founded the Gospel Workshop of America in 1968 to teach his material and that of other writers to church music directors from all over the country. Kirk Franklin, Cleveland's song leading, derived from the old Baptist lining out technique, is among Cleveland's most successful followers. In the past few years a host of other young talents, including Yolanda Adams, Take Six, The Winnens, Hezekiah Walker and Fred Hammond have kept gospel relevant. Learn your artistry and to be able to perfect that, is overwhelming. Especially when you are exuding love, Whitney Houston. The gospel tradition of looking down on those who push for change has also been kept alive. When reality hip-hop infiltrated the religious music scene as God's to rap, many longtime churchgoers were besides themselves. By its nature, the church is a conservative establishment. But to true gospel music fans, real talent wins out in the end. When music is performed with extraordinary skill and compassion, it testifies to the existence of God or at least the power of the Holy Ghost. For how could man alone be responsible for such glorious creation? And why should the devil have all the good music? There is, in some of the African voices, a wild and touching pathos, which art can never reach. New Englander Ethan Andrews wrote after witnessing a black church service in Baltimore. That his visit was in 1835, it becomes apparent that the emotionally charged spirit of black church music existed long before anyone started calling it gospel. The most fulfilling music is that which is made not for money nor fame, but because it just has to come out. They can't be contained, the voices that are unified, sanctified and possessed by a fiery spirit and so they burst out reaching for heaven's gate. When they hear an old hymn that they know and love, they light up and sing every word of it. It is a beautiful picture of how they have this hymn, this truth, embedded deep within them, and they can access it when they are prompted. How can you sing of amazing grace and all God's wonders without using your hands, Mahalia Jackson I hope to bring people to God with my songs. Music has long been thought to have a relaxing soothing and therapeutic effect on persons with Alzheimer's disease, 
Now scientific research overwhelmingly validates the therapeutic value of music for the victims of Alzheimer's disease. A simple improvement in the quality of life for a person with Alzheimer's is of great importance. This becomes of even more critical importance in the late and final stages of Alzheimer's where the quality of life is close to zero. The evidence of the value of music appears to be unimpeachable. Given that every experience is different, are there any common investments Christians can make now, in the spiritual disciplines, Bible memorization, church attendance, hymn singing, etc., that will prepare us to face Alzheimer's with tools and habits that will help us spiritually thrive? Some of the common things that I hear people talk about are a sense of loneliness, a lot of fear, and then confusion and disorientation. The other difficulty is the growing prevalence of this disease in our society. It is estimated that about 5 million people in the United States have Alzheimer's now. By 2030, that number is expected to at least triple. We must also remember His promises for our future. God will not forget. No matter what life might look like with Alzheimer's disease, we know that this is not the end for us. God was with us in the past, He is with us in the present, and He will be with us in the future. And our future with Him will be much better than any suffering we may experience in Alzheimer's disease.